Hey, what up? It's Mark Carter. I'm the pastor of Fierce Church. Welcome to our podcast. I'm so pumped that you're able to join us today. I hope this encourages you, inspires you, strengthens you, gives you hope to keep pressing on. And it's my prayer that this sermon gives you a more expansive view of God's love for you. Enjoy the message. Hey, Fierce Church, I'm Elena Bennett, the pastor of our teens, and we're continuing with our series, Meant It For Good. When I was 12 years old, I was excited to start playing spring soccer. But while I was on spring break, I woke up and my left foot hurt, which was weird because I hadn't twisted my ankle. As the day continued, my foot began to swell and I couldn't walk on it. I remember asking my dad as he gave me a piggyback ride to the car, is this gonna affect soccer? And little did we know at the time, but it would. The doctors concluded that I had a bone infection, so soccer didn't happen for me that spring because it's kind of hard to play soccer when you're on crutches and have a pick line. Not playing soccer that spring was disappointing due to the infection going on in my body, but that bone infection was nothing compared to the big deal that sin is in our life. The Bible talks about how sin takes us out of the game. Sin is a motif of a disease. Just like that bone infection limited my potential soccer career as a 12-year-old, sin limits our potential to be used by God in this life, which is a way bigger deal. I wanna talk to you today about taking control of your life, not sitting idly by while your future is decided for you. Most everyone wants to reach their maximal potential. God definitely wants you to reach it. You and I should aspire to be men and women of integrity and character and consistently live like that. I'm hopeful that today's message will challenge our character to come up because of the work Jesus did for us. Joseph, who we're gonna talk about today, lived that example out. Now, Joseph can't save us, only Jesus can, but Joseph is one of the Bible's best examples of character that God can use to increase our impact on planet Earth and not let sin control us. The enemy of our impact isn't obscurity, it's sin. Sin is doing something that God has said hurts you or us, or not doing something that God has said we're supposed to do. So it can be being violent towards someone, but it could also be failing to be generous or benevolent to those in need. Sin can also be wanting the wrong things or wanting the right things at the wrong time or in the wrong amounts or not wanting the right things, or just wanting the right things too little. When God says don't sin, it's for our benefit. He wants human flourishing. Listen to what God says in Deuteronomy 30. Clearly, we can hear that sin is not about helping God, but helping us. Deuteronomy 30, 19 says, Today I have given you the choice between life and death, between blessings and curses. Now I call on heaven and earth to witness the choice you make. Oh, that you would choose life so that you and your descendants might live. Sin destroys human potential, but God didn't make us to be robots. He leaves the choice to you to follow him and get away from sin in our lives. Sin creates relational walls between us and God. It saddens our heart and it allows bitterness and doubt to creep in. Sin knocks with the temptation, temptation of material to be controlled by the desire of more things, a house, a car, a newer car, new clothes, new TV that's bigger and better, or the temptation of fame and power. We're talking coveting a title to make you feel more powerful, control over others, authority, going off on people digitally. 
For you teens or young adults, it could be letting the desire for more views on TikTok or YouTube or more followers or likes or that lovely blue check mark to control your life. It could be sensual temptations, lust for another person's body who isn't your spouse. Lust is wanting that which is forbidden by God. That means singles, this applies to you. If there isn't a ring on it and if there isn't a commitment of marriage, there, they are not yours to desire. Sin can knock with the temptation of time, procrastination, or too much time on social media, or wasting time, anxiety temptation, being overly concerned about what other people think of you. Worry is often an attempt to control what you have no power over. And Jesus even said, it makes you dull. Here is something important to remember, and we'll see it vividly later in the message. It's not just you against sin. That would be quite a bit easier. It's you against a foe who is trying to disqualify you by actively trying to draw you into sin. You have an enemy. And this is what we tend to forget. We think because we've done well at times that we're stronger. We think we're stronger than we really are. And we forget that there's a spiritual force of darkness who is trying to make us think we're strong so that it would be all the easier to sedate us into overconfidence. You've probably even seen or heard on heard this on social media or even from a health instructor as you work out. They'll say things like, you're enough, you got this, you are complete, just believe you can. And it can come across like a positive message, but the reality is it slows you down from the fact that we as humans are only enough with the saving power of Jesus Christ, not on our own merit. Y'all, we are majorly flawed and our own self-talk will leave us tired and worn out because we're fighting the enemy alone. So what do we need to do instead? We need to stand firm on the truth of the Bible. We take to heart what Paul reminded a group of Christians in Corinth. 1 Corinthians 10, 12 says, those who think they are standing firm had better be careful that they do not fall. We see this with how the Lord was with Joseph. So he was able to stand firm against the temptation despite the situation, persuasion, and emotions. We can do that too, trusting that God is making a better version of ourselves for what lies ahead. Even so, God isn't going to do everything for us. He wants us to do the work of growing our character. Ecclesiastes 5.3 says, For a dream comes with much business and painful effort, and a fool's voice with many words. Forgiveness is free because of Jesus. And when someone has a dream for doing something great for God, he isn't, God isn't looking for mere words, a lot of chatter about it, but for people who aren't afraid of much business and painful effort. People who aren't afraid of living their life, taking sin out of it and going towards Jesus. Forgiveness is free, but the dream will cost you. Joseph had a dream, two literal dreams in fact. They gave Joseph the idea that his brothers and parents would one day bow down to him because he would be in an authority position. Well, Joseph told his family about this information and they didn't like it, especially his older brothers who were already jealous of him for being their dad's favorite kid. This led them to making a plan to kill their brother Joseph. But they decided instead to make a little money off of him and sell him as a slave to Egypt and lie to their dad saying Joseph died. We pick up the story in Genesis 39. When Joseph was taken to Egypt by the Ishmaelite traders, he was purchased by Potiphar, an Egyptian officer. 
Potiphar was captain of the guard for Pharaoh, the king of Egypt. Bible scholar Alfred Anderson describes Potiphar as the chief of the executioners. He was the captain of the king's bodyguard in charge of putting people to death. He had seasoned military experience and the power of life and death. He's not somebody you'd want to mess around with. Think about what was happening to Joseph. He is now a nameless slave in a country and culture he doesn't know with a language he doesn't understand. Unquestionably, there are adjustments to be made going from the spoiled son of a shepherd to a slave of a bodyguard. He came from an unsophisticated rural life to be sold in a city as a piece of property. The story continues on. Verse two says, the Lord was with Joseph, so he succeeded in everything he did as he served in the home of the Egyptian master. Potiphar notices and realized that the Lord was with Joseph, giving him success in everything he did. Did you catch that? God eventually gave him success. This is the most uncertain time of Joseph's life. He's vulnerable and cannot see what's coming down the road in his life. But Joseph didn't ask for any favors and he probably didn't realize it at the time. But although Joseph's situation changed drastically, God's relationship to him remained the same. When God is with us, we can rise again and again in situations that would surely have crushed others. Peace, strength, courage, and bravery don't come from great circumstances. They come from the power only God can give. When God is determined to get you noticed for his purposes, people are going to take notice. What did Potiphar notice? God blessing Joseph, probably through Joseph's ability to solve problems. He was hardworking, diligent, and smart. Verse four says, this pleased Potiphar, so he soon made Joseph his personal attendant. He put him in charge of his entire household and everything he owned. Potiphar liked Joseph and Joseph became his personal servant of high standing. This is a big deal. That same Hebrew root word is used to describe Joshua's relationship with Moses. He's been promoted as this important official's number two man. Entrusting everything he owned would include finances, other servants, ordering supplies, projects, planting, harvesting of his crops. Let's take a cue from Joseph. I've noticed that the ones who get chosen by God to lead stuff are already faithfully serving. A lot of people wanna lead, but they don't wanna train. They don't wanna serve. Think of it this way. If church is about learning the way of Jesus, who came to earth to humble himself to serve and save us, then what better way to put into action what we're learning than to serve? The army of the Lord is not a volunteer army. He drafts everyone. This church doesn't just happen without you. And it can become selfish after a while not to serve. So pray about where to jump in and try something out. Who knows how God will bless that? And just FYI, if you are you as someone of influence in whatever capacity, a parent, grandparent, small group leader, teacher, in the business world, the list could go on and on. You should jump at the chance to attend the Global Leadership Summit. Investing potential is always a smart idea because it helps you grow into the person God made you to be. If you don't believe you're worth investing in yourself, why would anybody else? And if you don't know anyone, you can sit with me. I hope to see you there. Now, 
back to Joseph's story. Verse 5 says, From the day Joseph was put in charge of his master's household and property, the Lord began to bless Potiphar's household for Joseph's sake. All his household affairs ran smoothly and his crops and livestock flourished. God began to bless everything of Potiphar, both in the house and in the field. So Potiphar left everything he had in Joseph's care. With Joseph in charge, he did not concern himself with anything except the food he ate. Now Joseph was well-built and handsome, and Potiphar's wife soon began to look at him lustfully. Come and sleep with me, she demanded. She boldly offers him sin. Temptation is bold. The adversary doesn't play fair. It wasn't Joseph's fault that he was good-looking. With greater levels of trust came greater levels of unguarded vulnerability. The temptation that occupy prosperity are far greater and far more subtle than those that occupy adversity. It is one thing if the path to obedience was cut out in the public eye, because then you get some, some applause. But the Lord honors those who obey when no one sees. The path to God's version of success is always cut with hidden obedience. Those on the path to success are harsh with the offer of sin. It says in verse 8, But Joseph refused. Look, he told her, My master trusts me with everything in his entire household. No one here has more authority than I do. He has held nothing back from me except you, because you are his wife. How could I do such a wicked thing? It would be a great sin against God. Joseph had integrity. He could have thought, who would know? Joseph didn't know what his future would hold, so he could have taken advantage of the situation. But even though he ended up in Egypt because of his jealous brothers, Joseph wouldn't betray the Lord in the midst of a far-off land. And check this, his refusal is even more noble in the context of a slave society where promiscuity was a cultural norm. So even though sin was justified by those around him, he wasn't going to do it because he didn't set his standards by the culture, but by God's way of life. All right, in the chat or at your house church, talk about this. Where in your life have you seen God bless your obedience to him? The path to God's version of success is always cut with hidden obedience. What do we do to be harsh with the offer of sin? If temptation happens anywhere, we fight. Anywhere means temptation is not dependent on a specific context. It's not like being tempted to eat cookies when, they are, when there's cookies in the home. We'll talk about location-specific temptation in a minute. It seems like Potiphar's wife would try to seduce him in any old place that Joseph was alone. But verse 8 says, but Joseph refused. He fought. This is just like Jesus, whom we see battle the devil in Matthew 4, where the devil would tempt Jesus and Jesus would respond with scripture. And it didn't happen just once. Satan tried to weaken Jesus by persisting, but Jesus kept using the Father's words to keep him away from sin. Matthew 4 talks about how the devil came and said this, but then Jesus would say, no, the scriptures say this. Jesus responded with scripture, and that's a major way to fight sin. So what's that look like for us? Here are some examples. The devil says, you really want that. Just put it on the credit card. You respond. Proverbs says only fools spend whatever they get. The devil says, this is taking too long. We should be moving faster. You respond, love is patient. The devil says, they should do it your way. 
you respond, where the spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. I'm not the boss of everyone. The devil says, everyone would be happier if they took your advice. You respond, I'm not the Holy Spirit. Let people live their own lives. The devil says, it's okay to lust a little so long as you don't touch. You respond, even adultery of the mind is adultery. They are a creature made in God's image, and I will not become less than I am by mentally consuming them like an animal. The devil says, nobody notices you or listens to you. And you respond, my significance comes from belonging to Jesus. He listens to me and notices me all day long. I don't have to have to be applauded to have a meaningful and enjoyable life. The devil says, that politician is pretty much the devil, but you respond, Jesus died to save sinners of whom I am the greatest. If there is hope for me, there is hope for them. Joseph didn't just not want to get caught. It would be a betrayal of trust and he didn't want the spiritual results, a sin against God, or relational result, a sin against Potiphar. One tactic for fighting sin is to play that movie to the bitter end. If your sin was a movie, what happens at the end of the movie if everybody found out? Imagine this. If you step deeply into sin, think through the people who would be hurt when your sin is found out. Think about how it would affect your family, your friends, and your church. I gotta remember this one with how I spend money. It would be easy to think if I have it, why not spend it and a little more? Hello, credit cards. Why not enjoy a new outfit whenever I feel like it? Why not enjoy buying new furniture and decorations when I want it? I can easily justify any purchase in the moment of wanting it, but I gotta think through the benefit of saving, of planning, of budgeting. If I don't, debt can occur, payments can be missed, and penalties can add up. Thinking big picture for today's decision not only impacts my life, but my life in the future and the future of our future family. Our decisions today, whether we like it or not, impact tomorrow. So I gotta look at it like, why not make decisions that will bless our future instead of hurt it? Why not make decisions that shine Jesus because we're living out his plan for it and looking to bless those to come? We need to take some time to ponder on the hurt that is caused as a result of our actions and allowed by the Lord when we continue to sin. Joseph knew that all these blessings had come from God. It was the goodness of God through the hands of his employer that restrained him in the hour of temptation. Question time. In your life, where do you need to speak out the Bible's truth to fight Satan's lies? But here's sometimes the problem. Temptation persists. While resisting temptation often does weaken it very much, some temptations are all the stronger because they only happen in certain places. The alcoholic shouldn't hang out at the liquor store. The shopaholic shouldn't spend time at the mall every afternoon. The sluggard shouldn't sit on the couch or lay in bed all day. You can't do the right thing if you're often in the wrong place with the wrong people. What do we do to be harsh with the offer of sin? If temptation happens anywhere, we fight. If temptation involves a specific context, we flee. By context, we mean it is a temptation that tends to only happen at work, online, around a certain group or person. 
Joseph's context was Potiphar's wife. This temptation wasn't happening anywhere else, and Joseph's way out was to run. It says in verse 10, she kept putting pressure on Joseph day after day, but he refused to sleep with her, and he kept out of her way as much as possible. One day, however, no one else was around when he went to do his work. She came and grabbed him by his cloak, demanding, come on, sleep with me. Joseph tore himself away, but he left his cloak in her hand as he ran from the house. We're going to pause here with the story and check out what we can learn. Joseph took responsibility for not finding himself in a compromising situation. Notice how Joseph had made it. He was secure, well provided for, handsome and in power, yet he didn't get complacent. Even though everything was going well, he ran from sin. If we're not careful, when we're comfortable, we can ease up on sin and allow more of it in our lives. But we can't flirt with sin or it's going to have us. Joseph is an example for how to handle it. Joseph didn't flirt with it, he ran. He did the gardening, you could say. Dag Harmeshold, who was the second Secretary General of the United Nations, received a passionate Nobel Peace Prize. Harmeshold said this, You cannot play with the animal in you without becoming woolly animal. Play with falsehood without forfeiting your right to truth. Play with cruelty without losing your sensitivity of the mind. He who wants to keep his garden tidy doesn't reserve a plot for weeds. The truth is we all have some space reserved for weeds of sin. There are little sins that we guard and protect and try to keep from the light. Fortunately, the Holy Spirit is the universe's best gardener. And here is where we are actually better off than Joseph. While Joseph did, the, did have the assistance of the Holy Spirit, because of Jesus, we as Christians who have made Jesus the leader of our life and the forgiver of our sins, have the Holy Spirit indwelling in us all the time. And it is the Holy Spirit's help that we need to enlist. 1 Corinthians 10.13 says, The temptations in your life are no different from what others experience. And God is faithful. He will not allow the temptations to be more than you can stand. When you are tempted, He will show you a way out so that you can endure. The Holy Spirit promises a way out. Ask Him for help to take it. Tempted to covet? Get out of the store or off the website. Talking to someone you shouldn't be online? Block them. If lust is a struggle, limit your access online. Have someone else monitor your restrictions. For a lot of us, we have to remember that Jesus is the only one who can complete you and I. And we need to fight the temptation to think someone or something else can because that temptation can cause us to make that desire a God in our life. And friend, you and I have the capability to only serve one God. Make it Jesus Christ. Being in a relationship won't satisfy. Kids or your spouse can't fulfill you. Kids with great grades, recognition from work, even grown children's appreciation for how you sacrificed as a parent won't do what only Jesus can do. Don't let anything else define how your day will go. Fight to live in that truth that brings rest to your soul and purpose to your day as you flee sin and allow the Bible to dictate how to live your life. There has to be a shrewd part of us that is prayerfully looking for ways to make sin not an option. What is the way out for you?
Plan to take those steps even if you have to be harsh. The path to God's version of success is always cut with hidden obedience. Amy Carmichael was born in Northern Ireland in 1867 into a family where she was the oldest of seven children. She eventually became a missionary in Southern India where she served there for 56 years, sharing the gospel to those who had never heard about the love of Jesus and worked hard to rescue children and women who were sold into prostitution. When Amy was in her 20s, she wondered if God's plan for her life would include being married and being a mother to her own family. As she wondered these things, she looked to the Bible for her next steps and lived them out in her daily life. According to the Donhaver Fellowship's website, Amy went to Southern India where she founded the Donhaver Fellowship and remained there until her last breath without ever returning to Ireland. She obeyed by laying down the evangelistic work that she loved and that God had so blessed. She went on obeying, although at first she had to face much opposition and danger. And many of the first babies she rescued died. As she learned more of the plight of the innocent children, her heart burned with God's own love and indignation. And she wrote words which stirred others to come and join her in Donhaver, the tiny village tucked away at the far tip of South India where the children had their home. From the beginning, it was family, never an institution. Amy was the mother, loving and loved by all. As the family grew, its activities grew too. Baby nurseries led to cottage homes, schools for all ages, toddlers to teenagers, a dairy farm, rice lands, fruit and vegetable gardens, tailoring departments, kitchens, laundries, workshops, and a building offices with teams of builders, carpenters, and electricians. From the small beginnings, of one obedient woman and one small child came a model village complete with its own simple Indian facilities and even a hospital to serve the sick and in which to preach the gospel to the thousands from the villages who flocked to it for their help. Amy never married nor had her own children, but God used her mothering heart to provide a family for thousands of children who wouldn't have had that chance if Amy hadn't been obedient to what God was calling her to do. Amy's work has continued. It's still going on today by her great-grandchildren who grew up of their own free will and who dedicated their lives to sharing the love of Jesus with others in need. You guys, this is not a try-harder message. It's a put all of your confidence in God to give you the holy desires and sanctify you. Amy did not accomplish her work on her own strength. She accomplished it through the grace and power of God working through her obedience. God blessed it and God gets the glory. Same with Joseph. God blessed Joseph's work because whether Joseph's circumstances were comfortable or successful, or he was in the back of a wagon sold into slavery, Joseph acted like God was in charge and he honored God with his decisions. Amy Carmichael and Joseph are two people who were given one story and one life to live, but both chose to live it for God's plan. You and I are given the same opportunity they had, 
the chance to make much of God with the life we are given. Will you choose to live it in obedience to what the Bible says and fight and flee from sin? Because you get sin is only there to ruin you. And God's plan is for you to have purpose in your everyday life. Will you live like only Jesus completes you? Like Amy Carmichael and Joseph, when your story shines the story of God's grace through your decisions, it will not only impact those around you, but those to come. And it will remind them, Jesus changes everything. Will you pray with me? Lord, we know that with your help, with the Spirit, with the Holy Spirit, we are not alone. I pray that you would help all of us individually at our church and all those who are watching to go towards your word, to live like, like what you said is true, that it would impact every minute of every hour of every day. I pray, Lord, that you would soften our heart towards your truth and harden our heart towards Satan's lies. May we shine like stars in, in our family, in our community, in our churches, in our work, so that people can see how you change everything. In your name I pray, amen. Thank you so much for joining us. Special thanks to those of you who give generously to support this ministry. It's because of you that this is possible. You can click on the link in the description to give now or visit fierce.church for more information. If you enjoyed this, why not subscribe, share it with your friends, click on the share button and take a screenshot and then share it on social media or your social stories. Hey, whatever challenges you're facing, I know you can make it. Don't give up. Hang on to Jesus. He won't let go of you. Thanks for listening.